As a change maker, you're dedicated to making a positive difference in the world. You love what you do and you're good at it. But here's the thing, with all the things on your plate, you may struggle with finding the right balance between work and having a fulfilling personal life. And as the world becomes more complex, it may seem change, disruption, and uncertainty have become new norms in your life and work. But it doesn't have to be this way. I'm Miko Marquette Whitlock, and I'm on a mission to help change makers like you improve your well being while increasing your well doing and changing the world without burning out. In every episode, my intention is simple to share practical wisdom about the inner and the outer work required to take care of yourself while building a better world, especially when it feels like work doesn't love you back. So let's get started. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Mindful Changemaker podcast. I am excited for today's interview with a very exciting person that I met during my work in the nonprofit space in Washington, D.C. Her name is Shana Glickville, and she is joining us today. She is the founding partner of the Beekeeper Group. And so if you are in the D.C. area, you're working in advocacy, you're working in nonprofits, you can't help but know her and know her name. So they are a boutique public affairs firm in the Washington, D.C. area, and she has over 20 years of experience working across sectors so with corporate clients, association clients, nonprofit clients, all about supporting them with their digital communications and online advocacy strategies, particularly focusing on social media, creative design, and digital advertising. And outside of that work, she is very active, particularly in the nonprofit community. She serves on a number of boards. We don't have time to list all the boards and activities <laughs> that she's a part of. She loves to travel. We were talking about this before we started today. So hopefully, she'll, if she feels comfortable, she'll share a little bit about her personal travels and how she's having fun these days. And so with that, Shana, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. As I mentioned, I'm always so in awe of all your endeavors from all the work that you give back and building people's own practices and helping them be better professionals. And now with everything you have on your plate, from podcasting to writing a book, I'm so impressed. Awesome. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be able to just share something that is useful to the world. And so as we get started today, I've given people a brief bio sketch of who you are. That's like the formal bio. That's like what you submit for the conference thing when you're the keynote or whatever. But let me ask you this. One of my favorite questions, Willie, is just to ask you, who is Shana in your, and tell us in your own words, who is Shana and what do you want the folks who are, who are listening to know about you? Yeah, probably the most defining thing about me is that I am an extrovert. And so I really do love meeting people. I'm a networker by nature, hearing people's stories, seeing how I can help them and people from all different backgrounds and interests. It doesn't have to be around business. I love meeting my neighbors. <laughs> I'll talk to people on the street. And so really who I am is just a connector. If anything, it can get overwhelming. Once that happens, you get text messages from people you don't even know and you don't remember <laughs> who he's connecting with. And I think that really defines me as a person. Awesome. So it sounds like you are a connector. Yes. Feed off of the energy of people. You love connecting with people. So Shana's going to be all up in your business if she sees you. Yeah. Let's talk about your journey as a change maker and going to ask you one of my favorite questions. I think it's so telling 
And it's so interesting to be able to connect the dots sometimes in unconscious ways, we don't recognize how our first experiences actually shape where yeah. we are today, even if it, it looks on paper to be very different. Can you tell us about your first real job ever? And I'm going to put real in quotation marks and right. you can define real however you would like to, but yeah. can you remember what that was and take us back there? Growing up, my summers were always at summer camp. I was a camp, but then obviously even through college, I, I held on to summer camp as long as I could. And then I had to get a real job. <laughs> my major, which most people wouldn't expect, was I had studied, uh, I have a Bachelor of Science degree in environmental policy and natural resources. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to DC to work at an environmental nonprofit and definitely a statistic of people who want to come to DC to make a difference and change the world. And working in the environmental community for my first couple of years was definitely <laughs> a unique experience. I think I learned about policymaking and lobbying when and and that's the direction my career took. Sometimes it still touches environment, but now I realized people who do environmental work are extremely knowledgeable and passionate. I just wasn't ready to stick to that one box. And mm. my career evolved into consulting, which is great because I have to become an expert in whatever my clients are working on. And so it's always something new and different, everything from the hospitality industry to the financial sector, uh, sometimes mm. energy and environment, sometimes health and medicine. So it could be anything. And I really love, I really do think that was instrumental in telling me I didn't belong just in one sector. It felt like just such a, a choice that if you do this career and you stick in this path, there were people who really were passionate and ready to do that for the rest of their life. And it just yes. wasn't me. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I'm seeing a through line here in terms of what you shared about who you are as a connector from the summer camps, right? You, you have to love people. <laughs> Uh, and love kids in order to to do summer camp and to do a summer after. It sounds like you you did this consecutively summer after summer, oh, and yeah. then you decided, okay, there are not enough people in this <laughs> environmental space, and so I got to connect with all the people. So why don't I just do yeah. something where I can connect with all the people and exactly. learn about all the things they're doing? <laughs> I love that. So let me ask you this: Is was there a particular experience that you had as you were working in the environmental space that really was like an aha moment where you were like, hey, I actually want to, I, I want to do this work, but I want to work with a broader range of folks as we do this work. I think um, it was more a person. I was really fortunate enough to have um, a first boss who was like this amazing woman who was like, you can be my, I was a legislative assistant, a very common mm. first job in DC to a lobbyist on these issues. And so she was like, you can be my assistant or you can really be my assistant. It's up to you if you want to be side by side with me or if you just want assignments. And I'm like, no, I want to be side by side with you. And she really took me to every meeting, really empowered me to do the work that was assigned to her and really lifted me up. And she was just such an amazing mentor. And she the passion was there for the subject matter. And I ended up going to law school and she had been to law school also. So I really did follow in her footsteps. A lot of lobbyists just 
like to throw around that they have a law degree, even though you don't really need it. And yeah, we stayed close and she was just, she passed away a few years ago, but um, she mm. was just so instrumental in inspiring me in what I wanted to do, but also what I didn't want to do. Yes. All right. I appreciate that. Do you want to put her name in the space? Oh, to- her name is Joan Mulhern. Thank you uh, for yes. that. I don't get to say it often. And I do think of her often. She gave me a candle that is shaped like a brain. That was a gift mm. when I went to law school. And I keep that in my office and on my desk. And so I do carry her around with me quite a bit. But her passion you know, for environmental justice was just unmatched. And she made a huge difference to a, on a lot of environmental issues. And I just learned so much from her. Awesome. And what an amazing start so early in your career to actually yeah. have that opportunity I got to, so lucky. to Yeah. <laughs> to be side by side at yeah. as at the start of your career. That's so amazing. So can you take us forward to how you're currently making an impact in the world? Is the beekeeper around. group? Yeah, and- 13 years now, which is crazy. When we started the company, it was a couple of us who worked at different organizations and consulting firms, and social media was just coming out. And we really saw the direction communications and advocacy was going to be going and decided to start a firm where digital was very central to what we did. And we had to do a lot of education back then. If we wanted to get a new client, we had to convince them that a Facebook page was important and why they should invest in having a Twitter account. And it was a lot of work. People thought it was a fad. People thought this would go away. (laughs) And even I was nervous thinking, should I really be investing my career in social media? Is this going to go away. There was hesitancy really all around. So when we started the company, we thought, okay, maybe this will last a year or two. Let's see where it goes. And then we had employee number one, employee number two, employee number three. And I would say within the first three years, business really skyrocketed. A lot of uh, major associations and corporations and nonprofits, they just knew we, we had to do less and less education. More and more people were coming to us knowing they needed help with um, a digital presence. And yes. that's probably how we connected in the beginning too, because you were- It is, yeah. I was working for an association. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah and, we were working on HIV and, and hepatitis. And I think we had a, I think we may have met at a conference, but I also feel like we talked about potentially working with, because I was communications director. So I think we also talked about potentially doing some work for us as well when I was at the association. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And, but I believe you were one of the ones that was already bought into digital and social. So yeah, you don't have to convince me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And over the years, you know, sure enough, digital and social has gotten more and more complex. Mm -hmm. Nobody can figure out their Facebook business suite or meta Mm -hmm. business. Um, And so really the opportunities for uh, my company to grow have been plentiful And if anything, the journey has been more from changing from a startup to being a real company. And um, there's a lot of demand for systems and processes and HR handbooks. And that was all new. Mm -hmm. We didn't think this thing was going to last that long. So um, now we have a solid business infrastructure, of course, being 13 years old, you don't get to be 13 without that. So over the years, my journey turned into not just being a consultant and an expert on digital communications, but a journey of entrepreneurship and learning how to start and run a business. And so that was also, that kept it interesting. And when you're starting the company, you're doing the work during the day and you're doing HR and accounting and marketing in the evening. 
And then eventually the business is big enough that you have a team and everyone pitches in and you have someone dedicated to accounting and someone dedicated to marketing. And so you really get to just focus on the work that you want to be doing, which is great. Yes. I think that is so awesome. And as you were sharing that, I was thinking back to one of, I think one of our first conversations and one of the things that I took away from that, because I think you came and you actually talked to me, but you also talked to our team and decision makers in, in our organization. And you you used a set of questions that were very helpful for me in terms of framing. And I, I use that to this day for projects, for communications, really for pretty much for anything that involves creating some type of product or, or project. And the two questions that I remember are, who is your audience and what do you want them to do? If you can answer those two questions, exactly. then you're going to yeah. have a pretty solid plan right. moving forward for how to engage with them. Exactly. <laughs> Think of that for something as broad as a website to as narrow as a tweet. Who do you want to reach and what do you want them to do? And you'd be surprised how many people, when you ask them to address these key critical questions, when you have an objective, they're a little murky and you can't it can't be everyone. You really have to break things down more. We do actually um, now more and more, and I know this is common in the nonprofit community. We just define personas up front because Mm. there is more than one target audience. And so let's go through each persona and say, what is their motivation? What are they interested in? What are they reading? And really get to know those people so that we can be in those spaces and connect whatever our mission is to, to what they're passionate about. And so the persona work, I think most clients might be hesitant at first, and then it becomes this reference document. We continue to come mm-hmm. back to it over and over. Absolutely. And it's, I think it's one of the, it's one of the smallest things that anybody can do taking the time to do this like you don't I mean you can certainly hire a consultant to do this but there are lots of free resources that you can do this on your own and doing this one exercise can be very powerful in terms of just really helping you to accelerate action on whatever it is that you're working on because if you're crystal clear about who it is and what you want them to do then you can maximize your time your resources and whatever else you have in order to make that happen. Right. That's the only way you can have a good report at the end is knowing what you're trying to accomplish. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So let me ask you this. You you have done a lot over your career and particularly with the Beekeeper Group, you all have grown substantially. You mentioned from this idea, you weren't sure it was going to work to like having like a full team of people. And then you, you all have an annual conference, I think, yeah. that you all are still doing. Right. So, is there one that is like a project or initiative or an experience that really stands out to you or something that you're particularly proud of? Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the conference because it is, we've stayed steady for the last couple of years around a team of about 30 people. And we're really close with our clients. We have a lot of clients who've been with us for a decade in it. And then we have some clients who just come to us for project work on and off. But we feel like the conference has been really instrumental in building a community, especially around the pandemic where there, people are going to less meetings and getting off Zoom. We have for the last two years continued to put on the Buzz Advocacy Conference. It is for clients and what we call Friends of the Hive, where we go to Annapolis, which is you don't have to convince your boss to pay for a flight. Um, and the price of the ticket is includes a hotel and all the food. And it's really inexpensive considering it's uh, three days. We're 
we get great speakers, keynotes and lunchtime speakers. And then we also have it be peer to peer. All the panels, everyone who attends has some sort of role. We do a lot of fun things. It, it is almost like a summer camp experience. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Where See the experience. Kind of environment and people really get to know each other and it just feels like great bonding and really authentic community building around practitioners in our sector. I think a lot of people who work in-house and organizations, especially if they've been there a long time, they can feel stale and they really like to connect with others in this really meaningful way. There's only so much you can get out of a webinar where you're just taking something in or hearing someone's case study, but a th three days of conversations and workshops and, and asking each other questions, it just, it helps everyone leave more inspired about their jobs. Um, and so I'm so proud of what it, I, when my colleague said he was going to put this together. I was like, no way. This is a horrible use of our time and resources. <laughs> I, I was like, fine, give it a shot. You were like, who's the audience and what do you want them to do? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Prove this. And it turns out um, we're, we've done it for six years now and people just love it. People fight for it. Oh, I hurt. How do I get a ticket to Buzz Summit? Because it is a, we, we can only fit I think it's 80 people total and and there's at least 20 of those are beekeeper people. It it has become a hot ticket which we're very proud of and and I think it just it the authenticity of the community building people who return year after year or want to send a colleague cuz they had such a great experience. Um yes. I'm really proud of it. And my colleague gets to do a big I told you so dance every time. <laughs> So let me ask you this uh, question about branding. So you've mentioned that, so the name is Beekeeper Group. You talked about the Buzz Summit. Yes. You've talked about the Hive. How many for, metaphors? For, 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 yes. for people who, so for people who are, who are not picking up yeah. what you're putting down, <laughs> yes. can you just I take a step explain. back and explain to us like what's going on here? Like what is what's up with that? <laughs> I feel like the back of our business card should say, <laughs> don't actually keep bees. It's a metaphor <laughs> for online community building. But a lot of our clients are people like grassroots managers or communications directors, but they feel like well, it's not hurting cats, but you are trying to generate buzz and build a hive. Why are people going to come to your website? How are you building community? And so we really have leaned into this metaphor. When we started the company, we were really nervous. Nobody would hire us and take us seriously. <laughs> and maybe we should have a second name. And then we decided that our message was that you have to be bolder and more creative to get attention in today's mm landscape and media landscape. And so we decided to lean into it. Um, for a while, our business cards did say on the back, build the hive, manage the buzz. So that helped explain it a bit. But usually once we explain it to someone, the light bulb goes off and they immediately are like, yes, I am a beekeeper. I am trying to harness <laughs> these bees and collect some honey and not get sung. So we go on and on with the bee puns. We actually did a rebrand this year, and so now our tagline is empowering people to advocate for impact. So it is more literal now that uh, <laughs> we don't have to explain the beekeeping model as much to our community. So that must make some sort of interesting inquiries that you all receive. Have you received any interesting inquiries, people that actually oh, literally think that you're beekeepers? <laughs> yes. 
in the beginning, we used to get voicemails from people being like, yeah, I have a swarm in my yard. And we're all <laughs> editors pulling pranks on us to their serious beekeeping issues with colony collapse disorder. <laughs> like that. Yeah, even from, I'm shocked, from NBC News reporters who want, didn't you read our website? So there is a little bit of commu- uh, confusion out there, but for the most part in uh, DC and public affairs communications. By now folks know who we are and what we do. And coincidentally, our office building installed an apiary on our roof. So we actually Mm. do relate to beekeeping now, quite literally. All right, it's time for a break. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsors. Changemakers like you are driven to do more and more often with fewer and fewer resources. But there comes a breaking point where your passion dwindles under the weight of pressure, the mission suffers, and you feel like you love the work more than it loves you back. That's why I wrote the book, How to Thrive When Work Doesn't Love You Back, a practical guide for taking care of yourself while changing the world with a forward by Beth Cantor, author of the Happy Healthy Nonprofit. This book is a succinct, practical, and action-based guide for changemakers seeking to make an impact without burnout. Learn more and order your copy at mindfulchangemaker.org slash books. That's mindfulchangemaker.org slash books. The reality is if you really want to make a difference, you must start by taking time for yourself right now because you can't change the world if you're not around long enough to make that happen. This isn't about working harder and smarter. It's about making a commitment to work differently so you can take care of yourself while making an impact for the long haul. In How to Thrive and Work Doesn't Love You Back, I share practical strategies grounded in the well-being while well-doing change framework. And I wrote this book after experiencing more than my fair share of burnout and overwhelm in the name of saving the world during my previous career in government and nonprofit work. I share what I've learned to be the most impactful strategies for my personal practice and my experience helping change makers around the world just like you create lasting balance in their lives. These are the same strategies I teach teams and organizations through my live trainings, self-paced courses, coaching programs, and tools like the Intention Planner. Each chapter has a summary of key ideas and a checklist of practices you can start implementing right away. I know you need practical strategies and resources to help you create sustained balance in your life and work so you can lower your stress level and focus on getting the important things done right now. So, This book isn't about theoretical concepts. It's about what to do and how to do it. Learn more and order your copy at mindfulchangemaker.org slash books. That's mindfulchangemaker.org slash book. All right, let's get back to our conversation. Let me ask you this. Typically when we do, when we have these kinds of conversations or when people are posting, particularly on personal social media, people post the highlights, right? And that's understandable. People post the highlights and it makes it seem like the journey is all been a linear upward trajectory and everything is well with the world and you're always smiling and happy. But I know that when you're building something and when you're doing the type of work that, that you do, that there are challenges, that there are ups and downs, that there are wins and their losses. And so I'm yeah. wondering if you can talk to that in the context of how you stay inspired yeah. and how you stay motivated through those ups and downs. Is there a particular practice or strategy or set of strategies that you use to do that? 
I think for the most part, consulting is a bit of a roller coaster and I'm so used to it by now that I have to be Mm -hmm. mindful that we have a lot of staff who this might be their first job or their second job. And that can be scary to them if there's something bad happens or a client doesn't have budget anymore and they don't want to, they can't work with us. And we're like, you can't take that personally. This is just like the business. So I think developing my own leadership skills to be mindful that my experience of "Ah, it comes and goes, it comes and goes, isn't everyone's Mm -hmm. experience. And how can I guide them and be a stronger leader around coaching what's normal. And you might make a mistake with a client and that's okay. And here's how you correct it. And sometimes with consulting, you feel like you have to be an expert all the time. And so it is about saying, I'll get back to you sometimes Mm -hmm. or You don't know what you can share or what the right answer is. So a lot of coaching and mentoring around not everyone is having the best day ever, especially on the agency side. I think, to be honest, working at agencies in the pandemic was really hard because agency life can be really intense. You are shifting gears all the time. You're dealing with all different personalities, all different clients. And in the pandemic, when everything shifted to Zoom. And I think, again, we have these junior employees who I think really relied on sitting next to people to say, hey, what are you using for this? Or how should I respond to this? Or, and not having someone next to them and really doing this work in isolation, I would imagine would have been really challenging. We had to just really be mindful and including working with you about how we can be supportive employers around the challenges of sometimes the work is a grind and we don't want people to feel isolated, let alone we're going through a pandemic and everyone was going through their own kind of journey, but doing the kind of work we do without being able to meet people in person or have someone sitting next to you. I was very concerned about people feeling isolated or not knowing who to go to for things. Um, I think uh, we opened up uh, like a Slack Slack channels, which I know a lot of businesses have done. And I think that was really helpful. We added a lot of fun channels as well as work channels. Of course, there's a chat for every client, but there's also a chat for sports and Bravo TV. And what are you listening to? And all kinds of things. So people felt like they were sitting next to each other and we probably did have more meetings, but we really felt like it was important for people to see faces regularly, not feel like they were working alone and have opportunities to ask questions that they didn't have while working in the office. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I, and what I'm taking away from, from what you're sharing is number one, it sounds like there's, you know, some kind of formal, maybe informal practice that supports you in being mindful of the dynamics that are taking place, right? So that the things are happening, right? To your point, like the client might not have the budget to continue working with you, or maybe you mess up, right? And you have to fix whatever the thing is that you mess up on. And it sounds like there's some kind of awareness about, okay, just first of all, just acknowledging, okay, a thing happened, all right? And it's okay. And then figuring out what can you do that's within your control yeah. And so it's like you were doing it for yourself and you were also coaching your folks on that too. Do you want more? It took me a while to realize those muscles for me <clears throat> took work and exercise over the years because I did yes. used to panic if something went wrong. Oh my God, the spiral I would go through. How do I tell them days of just whatever? 
to like now where I'm like, okay, we're going to address this up front. We're going to propose these three corrections and we're going to go from there. And now it just feels like nothing. And it, and it, it does take me going back to putting myself in earlier shoes to be like, how can I help them through these journeys and also feel free to come to me if a mistake is made. I want them to feel comfortable. I don't want anyone to feel like they're in trouble. This is the nature of the game and this is work and not everyone's going to be happy all the time, but it is, I think you can't have, it's, it's just so hard to have that open door policy in a virtual world. And so it is about creating these spaces and rapport and trust in other ways so that people feel comfortable. They feel like they have I have their back, their colleagues have their back, yes. and that these are safe spaces to work in. I think that's so important, right? It, it sounds, I think it sounds simple, and maybe some of us maybe take that for granted, but not every, I know from the clients that I work with, not every organizational culture okay. is at a place where, first of all, there is an open acknowledgement about things not always being okay, right? And normalizing that, right? I think in some places that there's like this toxic, positivity where we're like okay no it has to be great you have to be smiling you have to (laughs) you have to be having a great day like that that's what our brain is all about yeah but that's that if we're having a human experience right so there's a human aspect to that and it's not always that case and I love what you said in terms of letting people know that they can come to you and it's creating a space where people feel comfortable sharing and knowing that they're not in trouble I think that's one of the other things that gets in the way is people feel like okay I, I messed up, I made a mistake, I missed something, whatever it is, and there's going to be some harsh consequence for this as opposed to seeing it as a learning opportunity or growth opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we want people to be themselves at work and develop relationships with our clients because that's what I think our, the secret to our success has been is the authentic We want to like who we work with. We want to like our clients. We want our clients to like us. And so it is new to a junior employee where I was like, you guys have been emailing this client for six months. Why don't we all go to lunch? And they're like, oh, we can. I'm like, of course we can. DC. This is part of it. And it's, I forget that's not normal because they don't know that's normal because they've been working in a pandemic for three years. Yes. So yeah, I think it's so important. So So you mentioned the pandemic, and I guess I want to pivot to talk a little bit about balancing your professional obligations and personal life. We talked before the show started about you doing some personal travel, and but you've been doing this for a while now, and you're in. I'm not sure like what your day to day looks like, but I would imagine as one of the founders that you have been pretty busy over the years. And so, how have you carved out space to have a life? outside of the work and specifically on the agency side what i think what is unique is that you're an organization so for folks that have like nonprofits, like so associations for example you have members you have a right. board and people want what they want when they want it right. and so sometimes it can feel like you're working around the clock like how, how do you balance all of that with having a life I think for agencies, it's we always want to be on top of trends and what what's next. We want to feel like the smartest person in the room. People are paying us money for our time and our brains. And so we want to 
use what we know from what's working or not working from other clients and help people advance. But we also like to look outside of our industry. What are big brands doing? As you probably know, the nonprofit and advocacy space tends to be a few steps behind. Nobody wants to be the first to do something in our Mm -hmm. sector, but I want to be looking a little bit ahead because in a year or two, we will be there. I think live streaming and Instagram stories and now TikTok and Instagram Reels, our clients are just starting to get there. And so I have to already be looking at, okay, what's going to be after that or what can we apply? So I think a lot of my time is, of course, client strategy, but also looking ahead and making sure I'm staying on top of my game so that I'm bringing the best to our teams and our clients. And you said that's a fire hose that you could never feel like, okay, I've got it. I'm the smartest person now. I'm done. That you really do have to work in breaks and think about self-care because you're never done. And yeah, travel's been great. We go, we just try and always have a trip, something coming up to look forward to. And Paris, where else do we go? Italy. Mm trying to think. I I did a a wine trip with some girlfriends to Oregon. So another trip with law school friends to Palm Springs, just different groups of friends, different places, just feeling I have something to something on my calendar that I'm looking forward to. So is it fair to say then that you work fast and furiously or like intensely in sprints? And then you have this thing that you're looking forward to where you decompress and then you rinse and repeat. Is that sort of how it works for you? That is pretty true. And of course, even when I take these breaks, I'm checking an email, but I have everything covered. I prepare in advance. But as when it's your company, you you might have to do something (laughs) or respond to something and that's fine. But I would say, yeah, um, I'm definitely like in work mode or vacation mode. And then even during the day, I got a pandemic puppy. And so I take many walks during the day. So Mm. I've worked in breaks too. Even my routine, I do a mile before I even sit down at my desk, a mile walk every morning. And then lunch break is another shorter walk. And then at 4.30, another walk. And I would never do that if I didn't have a dog. I wouldn't be able to get myself out in that Mm. way. And I don't wear headphones and I just try and be really present. I think that's been helpful for being present also when I'm at my desk, because I know I have breaks worked in and yeah. So, and it's fun and it's exercise. Uh, I think that's been good. And I think a lot of people are doing that these days. Yes. And it's it's so simple. And I I love what you're sharing is because I I think not everyone has the same way of finding that balance. Not everyone has a similar sort of workflow. And it sounds like for you, you have a nonlinear workday most days, uh, but you're able to break that up with the, the breaks that you talked about and now walking a dog, right? But I also love that you have this thing that you're looking forward to, like this big trip or activity that you have already on the calendar that you figured out ahead of time. Yep. And you're able to work intensely up until that point, knowing that when you get there, you can just decompress. Yep. And so it's just one way of doing it that, it, and it sounds like it, it it's working for you. So I also love that. It sounds, it sounds like you've said, as I hear you describe it and as I'm sensing your energy it sounds like you have practiced and you've gotten to a place where you're settled 
in a practice that actually works for you. Yeah. I also am mindful too of my employees who isn't taking their vacation time. They need to schedule something. Uh, I think a lot of people save their vacation days or, and then we have this use it or lose it towards the end. And then everyone's out November, December. And I'm like, no, you need to like have something in the spring, have something in the summer and then have something in the winter. Um, And, but I guess everyone's on their own journey, but I will be like, send everyone their vacation days. Everyone needs to take vacation. (laughs) Find her, take your vacations. Awesome. And I, yeah, I, and I love that you, as a leader in the company, that you are encouraging folks to regularly take time for themselves and not just hoard it. I think that is, it's so important. And it's interesting when I do training with organizations, sometimes when we talk about this particular issue, I say one of the simplest things you can do right now is to actually plan your PTO now Mm. for the next, I mean, mean, starting maybe just for the next quarter, for example. Uh, And I give the analogy uh, that we know that Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas and all those holidays, like they're around the same time every year, right? Let's not act surprised when they come, when they, when they sneak up on us. (laughs) So if you already know that, why don't you just plan your PTO right now and you can Uh, plan your work around it? (laughs) Yeah. And I I think it's also different at younger generations. They have, I don't know, bachelorettes or weddings and things like that. So maybe there's more um, need to save and be ready for other life events. But also I agree. I just think having that thing on your calendar to look forward to is so important. Yes. Even just like having a, I'm not sure if if this is common in your team, but I I was a big fan for me when I was working in my, my last job, just not necessarily taking a long vacation. I, I certainly would do that, but like just having a long weekend. Yep. Taking a Friday and a Monday off. Yeah. And like having that be a mini vacation. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. You can do a lot in four days. <laughs> yes. Yes. So let me ask you this. I want to pivot to the work that we've done together yeah. over the years. So we have through Mindful Techie done training for your team. I think we did training during the pandemic yep. and supporting folks and making that adjustment and figuring out how do they find balance and work. <laughs> in an an efficient way in the pandemic. And the other thing that we've done is you've actually invited me to come speak at the Buff Summit to talk to some of your clients that that you work with. And I'm curious if you could maybe just share what's been the impact of that work for you, for the team, for the clients that you all have at the summit. Yeah, we get nothing but positive feedback um, because you bring, I, I hate to use your own words, but this mindfulness aspect that rarely we encounter in our day-to-day. And so it's brand new information, even though you might present it a lot, it's brand new information to a lot of our community. One other project you did is you did a workshop and I think some extending work with the nonprofit I'm on the board of. And oh, I yes. loved you. And Safe Shores, you know, they help families when child abuse is reported. So the people who work there are facing just really tough issues and subject matter. And they do amazing work to take care of the people that they serve. And I know when you came in and you said, this is how you take care of yourself. I think that was a really important message. And I was just so grateful that you were to connect you with the, in the nonprofit space where people are doing such hard, hard, heartbreaking work to say, here's how you especially they were doing it virtually at the time. Yes. And so bringing yes. trauma stories literally into their own home, it was yes. just like, oh, they, if anyone needs you, it's them. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Um, and, but no, same with people, you know, everyone was going through burnout phases at the time. So your work was particularly important. I think even now your work is important as people are trying to find balance and figure out what a hybrid life looks like. Yes. Um, and as our kind of society and workplace evolves, I just continually see the value of coming back to your practices to see, are we taking care of ourselves? Yes, absolutely. And, and thank you for the reminder about Safe Shores. I've, I've forgotten about that. We did work with their team around, because these are the folks that are the frontline folks and they're ex, they're experiencing secondary trauma I, by virtue of the folks that they're, that they're working with. And so we did training with them to support them in navigating that, doing that in the context of hybrid like we helped them with putting together a playbook because that was one of the things too, where onboarding new staff yeah. uh, in particular during the pandemic, like what are the norms? This is, I think lots of organizations are figuring this out or have figured out at least in the interim what works for them in terms of norms, right. but things that we take for granted in terms of should we have cameras on or cameras off? What does that actually look like? What do you do in situations where if folks need to have their cameras on for, for whatever the reason might be, but they're in a shared space where they might not necessarily be comfortable sharing their background and inviting all their colleagues into their yeah. space, right? How do you deal yeah. with those types of issues? How do you deal with the sensitive, the fact that they were doing and maybe still are doing sensitive mm -hmm. counseling and interviews remotely? How do you protect that information yeah. and ensure that it's actually safe and that the folks on the receiving end of the services feel comfortable yeah. accessing the services in that way. So there's so many things that you have to unpack. I believe they're that. hybrid now. So okay. I think they're back to in-person, some of it, but the executive director of the organization is just amazing and how she wants to care for her staff and take care of the community, take care of the people that they serve and the way they had to pivot to yeah, doing things out of their homes and make those adjustments. Yes. I think, yeah, you were really helpful in helping people sort that out. Excellent. Is there anything else you want to share about the work that we've done together, you know, any particular impact or ahas or anything that stands out to you that you want to share before we wrap up? I do think in terms of workday, when we all brought our offices into our rooms and thinking about setting boundaries and keeping to a schedule, and that's been really helpful for me. Um, but no, I think just, I appreciate your visibility because even seeing you pop up in my LinkedIn or something like that is a reminder to me of the work we've done together. And I love that you're continuing to put all of uh, your expertise into the universe and all these new and different formats. So I will definitely be listening and learning <laughs> as, you, as you evolve as well. Awesome. I, I appreciate you taking the time to be here today to share your story, um, to share your wisdom and to share, like we're all figuring this out together. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate um, just being able to hear from folks who are on the journey and seeing how they're doing this, how they're figuring it out. With that being said, I want to ask you what is next for Shana and what is next for the Beekeeper Group. You mentioned talking about keeping up on trends. And yep. so what's trending in your life and what's trending right. in the Beekeeper Group? <laughs> That's a good question. No, I think just balance. I've been thinking a lot about 
getting involved in my community hyper-locally. I'm uh, supporting my ANC commissioner with her social media, mm. which is She's just responsible for 10 blocks around here, but, and that's gotten me really involved in, oh, there's new construction over here. Do people agree with it or not agree with it? And so just being attentive to what's going on around me locally, continuing to do work with nonprofits outside of work to, again, keep me connected with the community in DC and what my original passions are and who I am, and then still bringing that to work. And then, yeah, just, I think maybe some more mentoring and being mindful in mentoring. And I think young people are coming up in their careers in just a really strange time. And when I was coming up, there was always a happy hour or an event or a meeting or with other stakeholders. And I just think that's not the norm for people who've been in the workplace for the last three years. So I think I want to make sure I'm flagging events for them, making sure they're attending things in person and having some of those experiences that they might not have had in the last couple of years. Filling my cup, but also filling other, others' cups as well. Yes. And I see that the camp counselor in you coming out when you share that. <laughs> yes. So maybe, maybe there's an adult summer camp for young professionals coming to the, the DC area. Is as close as I got. <laughs> okay. okay. So where can people go to, to stay connected and to learn more about you and the beekeeper group? Yes. Beekeeper group and myself personally, very active on social media, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn and TikTok even. So uh, feel free to follow uh, Beekeeper Group or Esclickfield on any platform. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. I appreciate you, you sharing your story. I want to take a moment to tell you about a live virtual program to help change makers like you take better care of yourself while creating a positive impact in the world. It's a live, virtual, two-day interactive experience designed to help you increase your well-being so you can increase your well-doing. This retreat focuses on practices and strategies connected to the change framework for well-being while well-doing from my latest book, How to Thrive When Work Doesn't Love You Back. The framework addresses the U.S. Surgeon General's five essentials for workplace mental health and well-being. Learn more at mindfulchangemaker.org slash retreat. Again, that's mindfulchangemaker.org slash retreat. During the retreat, we tackle the inner work of things such as guilt about not being able to always get it all done, fear of setting boundaries, the anxiety of imposter syndrome, and adjusting to the world of hybrid work, among other things. We'll also tackle the outer work of things such as setting intentional goals, effective priority setting, especially when everything seems urgent and important, setting and protecting boundaries, and making space to rest and recharge in a sustainable way. When you sign up, you get support from a community of smart, heart-centered change makers just like you, and also one year of unlimited access to video lessons, handouts, and an invitation to return to any of the live monthly retreat sessions we host. Learn more at mindfulchangemaker.org slash retreat. That's mindfulchangemaker.org slash retreat. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dear Mindful Changemaker podcast. Are you ready to finally prioritize your well-being so you can increase your impact in changing the world? 
Join the mindful change maker community and take the next step on your journey to increase your well-being while well-doing. It's 100% free when you join at mindfulchangemaker.org slash join. Again, that's mindfulchangemaker.org slash join. Until next time, I'm Miko Marquette Whitlock. Take it one intentional moment at a time. Thank you.